Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend. Coming up, some of our favorite readers are going to give you one million recommendations for what to read this fall. Okay, it's not a million, but it's like at least a dozen, which is pretty exciting. But first, it's our chance to sit back and unwind from the week that was. With us this week, we have Alex Abad Santos, a senior correspondent at Vox. Alex, hello. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Also, here is our Eric Thomas, who wrote the essay collection. Congratulations. The best is over. Eric, hello. Hello. Okay, so let's start with the writer strike. After 146 days, the Writers Guild of America says it's come to an agreement with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. Eric, you've written for TV. You are in the Guild, right? Yeah, I am. I am um, technically back to work, although currently uh, without a, uh, a gig. But I'm very excited to be off of strike. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't imagine how difficult that that time period must have been. It sounds like I mean, it must have just been such a frustrating process. Yeah. I mean, not only to sort of not have any idea when things were going to begin again and not have any idea how to um, move forward. You know, a, a lot of my a lot of people I know, a lot of my colleagues were having to get sort of supplementary gigs to mm-hmm. um, to kind of bridge the gaps. A lot of people went into a lot of debt. But on top of all that, to be jerked around um, by the studios um, to mm-hmm. like play these games and try to be starved out um, was just really demoralizing. Um, and, yeah. you know, one of the anonymous studio executives had said, that something about like, I want them to be homeless by Christmas. Um, I remember that. Which is just, you know, <laughs> it's like, we're like, I'm like, do you, did you all watch Newsies? Like, you're not the good guys. <laughs> um, but it's not Christmas. And I, you know, my hope is that no one um, in the guild ended up homeless. Um, and we, we ended up in a much, in a position that is much closer to fairness um, and the continued existence of this profession. I mean, it seems like from what I'm seeing that that guild members are pretty happy with with the results of this contract. Would you agree with that statement? I think so. Yeah, I've talked, you know, a couple of people I've talked to, you know, feel good about it. I'm going to an information session on it um, tomorrow night just so I can be fully, fully versed um, because it's a lot of legal language. And I'm like, well, you know, I did watch private practice, but it's been a minute. Um, So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think one of the big, you know, there are issues around the size of, of rooms. Um, there were issues around, obviously AI is the big headline thing. Yes. And that's sort of an existential, that's an existential threat to a lot of industries. Um, and this question of, you, you know, can we be automated out of, out of jobs? Um, and you know, the answer is, is at this point, no. And that's, that's crucial. Yeah. So Alex, how closely did you follow this story? 
close enough that I know so much about Bob Iger's yachts and so much he's making. How about that? I've never. Yeah, that's pretty like, close. Like this, this man. All I know is all these studio heads have so much more money than I could ever dream of. And yeah, yeah, yeah it's just like, well, remember when they were like the orcas and they were like being like, oh wow, the orcas keep sinking yachts, and I was just like, welcome to the union, orcas. <laughs> welcome to the guild, orcas, because we have some yachts that you need to sink. Oh my god. I mean, it is just, you know, and I think about too, like just this week, there was the announcement from Amazon that they're going to start putting ads in their prime stuff. And it's just like, really, Jeff Bezos? Like, it's wild. Like, I I think that even if you are like following this, like in a very, I guess, like surface level way, like I think like the general public understands the inequity between a CEO. I mean, more than ever, I feel like our consciousness was up and like the whole idea. Mm. And I think Gallup has done polls about like, um, union support being at an all-time high in like 50 yeah. in like 50 years it's just like we know like like based on like the the average person like knows like how much a ceo makes and it's like how much li- and how little writers and, the, and workers make right and it's right kind of infuriating and i kind of want those yachts seized <laughs> from the <laughs> like by the orcas so this is kind of a silly question, but I don't know. I mean, I think partly what I'm excited about selfishly with the, this, you know, writer strike being over and hopefully soon the actor strike too, is that like, we could maybe actually have some semblance of fall TV, maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> and it made me wonder like if there, you know, if you could magically have one show come back before the end of the year with these strikes ending, what it would be. Alex, is there like a specific show where you're like, I cannot wait to set my calendar to this coming back? Um, yes. And just like that, the Sex and the City <laughs> revival, possibly the most deranged television show ever created. But I can't stop watching. Give me 18 more oh seasons. Oh my God. Didn't they just come out with another season? I mean, can we have 15 more, please? <laughs> I want to see. I want to see Carrie Bradshaw. In her gigantic Gramercy Park, <laughs> Gramercy <laughs> Park, I guess, like, uh, what is it, a townhouse now? I want to, I, I just want to see every, I want to see the mess. I want to see Charlotte do some Molly. I want to, I want to see where, like, the derangement of where these writers can go now, now that they have their contract. Oh my God, that's delightful. What about you, Eric? Well, um, the show I, I most want to um, come back early this fall is Ugly Betty. And I'm aware that it has been off the air for um, about eight years now. And I don't care. We've got a contract yeah. and I can do we can do anything we put our minds to. But if I not that, love that. <laughs> if not that, then um, I'm, I'm just dying for more um, more Abbott Elementary as everyone. That's is. what I was going to say, too. Yeah. 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 It's just so much fun. Um, okay, switching gears. Another very strange, interesting story from this week is about flamingos in Wisconsin. They were spotted on the shores of Lake Michigan, a little north of Milwaukee, which is not normally what you see in the Great Lakes region. <laughs> the Associated Press is reporting that the tropical birds have also been spotted in Indiana, Kentucky, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. Um, experts are guessing they were pushed north about a month ago when Hurricane Idalia hit Florida. Sometimes we play a game on Nerdat with news stories like this. It's called burden or delight. It's very simple. You say whether it's a burden or a delight. I think this one's kind of perfect for it because it's like, is this the end of times or is this like just a fun, quirky delight? What do you think, Eric, burden or delight? 
I'm going to go with delight um, because I think it speaks nice. to, you know, the power and the presence of, of the queer community in the Midwest. Um, oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> um, I'm like, yes, the flamingos are like, we're here. We're pink because of shrimp shells, I think. Uh, get used to it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I you know, like, I also think that, you know, birds seem to know how to get back to wherever they go. So I, I think they'll be okay. That's a really good point. They do seem to have a much better sense of direction than I ever will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Alex? So I read this book like maybe like two years ago called yes. Leave the World Behind. Yes, and that's exactly it, what it, I thought it, about. And it's about the end of the world. And one of the harbingers of the end of the world what's that? is this? flamingos. Yeah, it's flamingos in the Hamptons, I think. And you're just yep. like, what? And then now that it's happening in real life, yeah, this is absolutely scary. And now I am convinced it's the end of the world. But also like... Like Olivia Rodrigo famously said in like one of her interviews this past week, like you don't, you can't trust a bird. Like a bird. Oh, okay. <laughs> a bird is very, like birds are kind of scary. I do not trust. Like if someone was like, oh, like I'm like not a cat person or a dog person. I'm a bird person. Mm-hmm. That's well, not, you're a dinosaur person. That is freaky. <laughs> that that bird, that's a, that's a flag. That's a red flag. <laughs> Sorry to the bird people. Birders are fine. But if you have like a pet bird, that's that's weird to me. Right. Well, you don't know what they're going to do. And you know what? They can fly. Right. Information. The formation is what gets me. I'm just like, so you don't understand like me speaking to you, but you understand a triangle um, in the sky. (laughs) Right. That's weird to me. It is That's wild. wild. It is wild. And then some of them don't fly? What are you hiding? Yeah. What are you hiding? Well, the peng- penguins, you know, are the business people oh. of the business of the bird world. You know, they're like, we don't have time for going around neg- taking trips. We're, they have a bank under Antarctica. <laughs> they're subject to capitalism just like the rest of you us. You know? <laughs> Um, so for our last story, we're commemorating a super weird anniversary, which is... The pumpkin spice latte. Starbucks debuted the drink on October 10th of 2003, almost exactly 20 years ago. Um, now there are fall indulgences such as the pumpkin spice facial or dairy-free milk or pumpkin spice hummus. Really, you can name it and it exists. Um, how old does this anniversary make you feel, Alex? <laughs> well, you know what? Like, I, I think what's kind of funny about it is that everyone has just kind of succumbed to it like it used Mm. to be this like hot button issue of just like oh like only the basic like the really basic girls get pumpkin pumpkin spice right and now Mm -hmm. i'm just kind of like absolutely obsessed with the who's the who's the center of like christian girl autumn (laughs) <laughs> but she's not really that super Christian. She's brown hair. She's very beautiful. She goes to Vermont all the time. She's this influencer. I think her name is Caitlin. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I want to go to Nordstrom with this lady. I want to know everything about her life. Like, I want the intricacies of like, of like all the pumpkin spice that she consumes, whatever. She, like, I want her life. And I'm just kind of like, well, maybe I've just succumbed to pumpkin spice, the, the pumpkin spice li- lifestyle. So it's like, just lean in at this point is what you're thinking. Yeah. And there's so many other drinks to be mad at like the apple crisp oregano blah 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 mm, whatever that sounds gross <laughs> that sounds aggressive right right yeah. eric there's like this one drink that like everyone keeps tweeting about and it's just like it's like 18 syllables long and oh, you're yeah. like it's some apple apple monstrosity that shouldn't even be in coffee 
I don't know. I refuse to learn new drinks. I like, I think after like 15 years ago, I was like, my brain's like, we're good. I learned the pumpkin mm. spice. I learned, <laughs> yeah. And then they had the eggnog latte for a while. And I loved oh, yeah. the eggnog latte. And this is how you knew mm. I was in my 20s because I would have, <laughs> I'd have one walking to work and then I'd get to work and I worked next door to a Barnes Noble and I'd have a second eggnog latte oh, when I got gosh. to work. And I was stick thin and, um, and apparently did not have like heart disease. Um, and, that's adorable and that, how jittery were you oh i was it was the perfect level i was waiting tables and i was like let's sell some hurricane glasses <laughs> oh my god oh that's my amazing goodness. okay so before i let you two go as i mentioned our next segment is about fall books and i was wondering if y'all know of any books you don't have to have read them yet but books that come out kind of between nowish and like thanksgiving ish that you're especially excited about seeing on the shelves that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Oh, well, for me, it's like I'm just deeply into the X-Men comics. And basically, there's just been this uh, kind of, I guess, world shattering thing that's happened in the X-Men comics. And I want to see like it's called The Fall of X. And I want to see how that resolves itself. So basically, the X-Men have uh, created their own island and own nation and what happened in the fall or this past fall or i guess this past summer is that that whole thing crumbled basically that they were attacked and now they're picking up the pieces and i want to see what happens to the x-men where they go that sounds pretty cool and it's exquisitely nerdy so you're in the right spot so nerdy but it's like the (laughs) it's like the the thing i follow like is i just i love i will like spend like half my paycheck on x-men comics Oh my god that's delightful what about you eric yeah you know i mean like i think you know it's I, I think it's clear what the the book of the fall is going to be. Like the Pulitzer Committee has already, you know, already got its eyes on it. It's Britney Spears's The Woman in Me. Um, <laughs> yes. uh, the biography, bar none, you know, right up there with Michelle Obama's Becoming, yeah. like, you know, the two great, and like, I guess Grant's, you know, whatever, whatever Grant did, um, you know, move over um, to every president. <laughs> Uh, it's Brittany. It's Brittany. Um, uh, Grant, are you talking about like Ulysses S. Grant's yeah, that, memoirs yeah, that, that my could, dad loves? Yeah, that guy. That guy. Um, <laughs> Sorry to that man. <laughs> Sorry to that man. Um, whoever is on the dollar, uh, the $50 bill. Um, no, I'm very excited about Brittany Spears' memoir because I think that Brittany is the poet laureate of the uh, Instagram age. I cannot imagine what this book is going to be like. But I, I I cannot wait to get my hands on it. That's amazing. Well, Eric, Alex, thank you both so much for coming on. This was very fun. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having me. In just a minute, we are going to give you a shit ton of book recommendations. Yes, that is a quantifiable number. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. People. 
People talk a lot about summer books, but I think that fall is one of the most exciting times to pick up a new book. And maybe that's just because I'm one of those kids who like always really loved school and no surprise was a big nerd and loved reading. But I do think there's just something about the season. Maybe it's the cooling temperatures and the fact that you can like curl up with a book and a blanket and a cup of tea or something. But I just think this is prime reading season. So we decided to call up 14 of our favorite readers and authors and all around good humans. And they recommended some of the books that we should add to our TBR list this fall. And oh my God, did they deliver. I mean, who doesn't want to get lost in a great story, right? I was like a woman possessed. I could not put it down. <laughs> it's so good. You have no idea. It's so good and did make me cry, though I can't explain to you why. It just was like the emotions were so heavy. We're going to kick things off with the author of this month's book club pick, Happiness Falls. Hey, I'm Angie Kim, and the book I'm excited about this fall is Same Bed, Different Dreams by Ed Park. And it is coming out on November 7th, and here is the description. A wild, sweeping novel that imagines an alternate secret history of Korea and the traces it leaves on the present. Loaded with assassins and mad poets, RPGs and slasher films, pop bands, and the perils of social media. Does that sound awesome or what? Right? Hi, I'm Tracy Thomas, creator and host of the podcast, The Stacks. And there are a lot of fall books that are coming out that I'm really excited about. But the one that I think I'm the most excited about is called How to Be Multiple, The Philosophy of Twins by Helena DeBress. It She is a philosopher and an identical twin. And the book is about identical twins and fraternal twins. So I'm really curious to see what the book is, what she's writing about philosophically about twins. You know, is there an evil twin? Have you ever switched partners? Like all the crazy questions that people ask twins. I don't know. It's just like calling my name. Okay. Hi, I'm Kate Stamen London. I wrote the novel One to Watch. Oh my gosh. So um, I don't know if any of you read Fourth Wing this summer um, by Rebecca Yaros, but I, so I was visiting a friend in Thailand and I was like, yeah, I'm going to check out this dragon book everyone's talking about. And boy, did I spend two weeks wandering around Thailand, like not talking to people being like, I have to read this 600 page dragon book. Shut up. I don't care. And then I was like reading very erotic dragon-based sex scenes on a plane from Thailand, feeling like I didn't know that this is what was going to happen on my vacation, but here we are, all are, I guess. Um, But so the sequel to that book, Iron Flame, is coming out in November, and I wonder where I'm going to be reading erotic dragon sex scenes next, but I'm excited about it. I like weird shit. I don't know. (laughs) I'm Christina Orlando. My pronouns are they, them. I am the book content editor for Tor.com. And I am so excited about fall because it's dark academia time. My first recommendation is Rouge by Mona Awad. Mona Awad is just a master of prose. I really loved her story, Bunny, which some of you might have heard of if you're into the dark academia, creepy gothic kind of thing. This is also a creepy gothic. It follows a skincare obsessed woman whose mother has recently died. So she goes to California to like clear out the house that her mother left. 
and through this finds a pair of shoes that mysteriously lead her to a manor house, a mansion on the sea, where there's this creepy cult of skincare-obsessed people. It was described as eyes wide shut. It's very, like, uh, Dracula-y. Everything's, like, red walls, and everyone's very beautiful and pale, and it becomes a, a very dark narrative, a very twisty narrative about what people are willing to give up to feel clean and light and bright and glowy. I feel like all my favorite books are coming out in October. Hi, I'm Lupita Kino from Lupita Reads, and I'm excited to read Organ Meets, a novel by Kay Ming Chang. I love this author because they wrote a book I previously loved, which was Bestiary. And um, for from them, I feel like you can expect in their work like really like descriptive, gory, um, intense scenes, but also with like really beautiful writing. And I don't know, it's just like a perfect book for me to read in, in the fall, in October especially, like of all, of all the times. Hi, this is Kevin Wilson. I'm the author of Nothing to See Here. And uh, the book that I'm most looking forward to this fall is the novel A Haunting on the Hill by Elizabeth Hand, which comes out October 3rd. Uh, I think what initially grabbed my attention is that it's billed as, the, the quote is, the first ever novel authorized to return to the world of Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, and since Shirley Jackson's probably my you know, favorite writer of all time, that was an indicator of how much I was going to enjoy this book. But more than that, uh, I just love Elizabeth Hand. I think she's an incredible, like, brilliant writer. And this book hits like all the pleasure centers of my brain, uh, making art, makeshift groups, isolated spaces, weird stuff. Halloween is lit this year. Hey, it's Liberty Hardy. I am coming to you from Maine. Edith Holler by Edward Carey, which comes out on Halloween. Carey is an incredible artist and author. He's the author of Little and The Swallowed Man. This one is set in England in 1901 about a young woman who lives inside a crumbling playhouse and starts writing a new play about a legendary murderer of children. When her father comes home with his new fiance, there are some similarities between the monster she's writing about and the woman that he is seeing. Dun dun dun. The other two books are The Reformatory, by Tanarive Du. Tanarive Du writes the scariest books being written today, in my opinion. This is a horror novel set in Jim Crow era Florida. It's like the Nickel Boys, but with even more horror about a young boy who can see ghosts who is sent to a reformatory for six months. Everything she writes is amazing and scary. You're gonna love it. And the other pick for today, The Vaster Wilds by Lauren Groff. Lauren Groff's The Vaster Wilds. Which is amazing. Hi, this is Hilary Kelly. I'm a critic and essayist based in Washington, D.C., who frequently writes for The Atlantic. The Vaster Wilds is set um, in the winter of 1609 and 1610, just when the people of the Jamestown colony started dying off. But what Groff has done is set the narrative around one runaway servant girl who has fled the colony and is on her own out in the forest. The whole thing is just her in the woods and it's one of the most incredible things that you'll ever read. And what I think Groff does really well is she sort of rewrites the idea of you know, American individualism and the founding fathers and this sort of like tough masculine world that we think of as 
our beginnings. And instead she puts, you know, a young, uneducated, illiterate girl at the center of it and thinks about, you know, what that world would have looked like to someone like her. This is Lauren Groff and I'm really excited about Land of Milk and Honey by C. Pam Zhang coming out this fall. We should all be looking out for that strange, strange book. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, hey, I'm Andrew Limbong. I'm a host of NPR's Book of the Day podcast and also a reporter on the Culture Desk. A fall book I, I'm really looking forward to um, is called Roaming by uh, Jillian Tamaki and Margot Tamaki. It is this graphic novel um, about these two friends who, it's their first year of college, it's 2009, they decide to reconnect uh, for the first time with a trip to New York City. And one of the friends brings a third friend. <laughs> insane insane idea and this third friend her name is fiona she's one of these people who i don't know i remember if you, if you were like 19 there's always that friend who's like just like hot and cool and full of life but then you realize that like uh maybe they're kind of annoying maybe you know what i mean and yet they're opening the, these doors and opening your mind to all these so so many things um and it's just this really uh, heartfelt look at relationship dynamics, especially that early, you know, you're, you're an adult, but you're not cooked yet. Hi, this is uh, Gwen Kirby, author of Shake Cassandra Saw. Uh, so one of them has already just come out, but I feel like it's going to be the perfect Halloween read, and it's called um, Vampires of El Norte by Isabel Cañas. And it's sort of a gothic horror romance meets 1840s Mexican-American war about uh, a young woman who gets attacked by a vampire. And yeah, I don't know. Did I say there was love? Uh, So I'm really excited for that one. It looks fantastic. And uh, finally, I think you have to go out there and buy Emily Wilson's new translation of The Iliad. Um, And I think it's just so exciting to see a woman for the first time uh, taking a look at Homer's words and really thinking about, you know, how he's describing uh, the women in that world. My name is Cleves Natera, and I am the author of the debut novel Neruda on the Park. And I would like to recommend Family Lore by Elizabeth Acevedo. Family Lore is such a bold story about the Marte sisters. There's magical realism in it. These women, some of the sisters have like these powerful abilities. Some of the sisters don't. Some of the sisters are just like normal people. And I love this idea that, you know, regardless of what you are born with into a family, you have to find your way. You know I like a sexy book. And there are some very sexy bits. (laughs) So I feel like, you know, Elizabeth Acevedo continues to push and she's a risk taker. And I feel like her voice is absolutely stunning. Like I don't know anyone else that can carry a book the way she carries it. I'm Alexandra Alter, and I write about books and the publishing world for The New York Times. And this fall, I was really excited to see a new novel from one of my favorite authors, Sigrid Nunez. It's a woman who's living in New York. She's older, and she's a writer, and she's alone um, during the first months of the pandemic. And then she's called upon to care for her friend's parrot. And this throws her into close quarters with a young man who's also house-sitting at the same apartment. Um, And so it's kind of a funny, oddball roommate book in some ways. It's also about loss. It's about grief. It's about solitude. And it really kind of reflects, I think, the way we all experience the pandemic in these these flashes of 
really intense moments that didn't necessarily line up in a linear way. Another novel that I found so engrossing that's coming out this fall is Northwoods North by, by Daniel, Daniel Mason. Mason. This novel follows the inhabitants of this Western Massachusetts home across centuries. So, you know, if you liked Richard Powers' The Overstory, somebody put it, I think that this book does for houses what The Overstory did for trees, because you really come to identify with this structure and all of its inhabitants, and it goes all the way back to the 1760s. And the story folds in on itself in ways that I was just, I was laughing as I read this book. I could not believe the connections that he was making between his characters, between the setting, between our history. So, hi, I'm Miwa Messer. I'm the producer and host of Poured Over. And can I just say, longtime listener, first time caller. And if Sing Unburied Sing is a book that you love, you need The Unsettled. Ianna Mathis, The Unsettled. It's 1980s America, it's actually Philadelphia, but it cuts between a tiny, tiny town in Alabama and Philadelphia, Philadelphia. I mean, <laughs> we are in a moment in America where I can draw a straight line between where we are and the 1980s, and it just, it felt really fresh. Ayana's sentences are beautiful. She covers a lot of us in all the good bits and all the bad bits, and I did not want to put this book down. I think I read it the first time in a single sitting, and I'm still thinking about it now. Love you, bye! You can find all of these books listed on our website, wbez.org slash nerdette. Thank you to everyone who helped contribute to this book bounty. If you can believe it, this was actually like a fraction of the books that were suggested by these people. I imagine you can't believe it because when we told people they could come with one or two, most people came with three or four and we loved that too. So if you want to hear about even more excellent books from these excellent readers, we're going to share like a secret, exclusive, super fun, hot list of bonus books in our newsletter next week. It comes out next Friday. So as long as you sign up before then, you will get it. If you're not subscribed yet, head on over to wbez.org slash nerdette and you'll see a little newsletter sign up link there as well. Nerdette is produced by me and Anna Bauman at WBEZ in Chicago and is part of the NPR network. And our executive producer is Brendan Banizak. Oh, also, by the way, we're going to see you on Tuesday for our interview with Lauren Groff for our October book club pick, which is The Vaster Wilds, which was praised in this episode. I can't wait for you to read that one. And we have also announced our November pick. It is The Land of Milk and Honey by C. Pam Song. So check that out as well. I'm a himbo and I don't read anymore. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.